Yes, Father God, we thank you that the war is won and you have destroyed the works of darkness through your obedience, Jesus, through your coming as the sacrificial lamb of God. We thank you, Lord God, that you have brought all of us into that place of hope and joy and peace and revelation. And whosoever will can be saved and brought into that place of richness and life and fulfillment and abundance. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts that you've given us, Lord God, many gifts, gifts of breath and life and sight and health and food and all kinds of things. We just thank you, Lord God, that you've given us this day our daily bread. And for those who are struggling this day to find that place of rest and peace, we pray, Father, for divine um, encouragement and direction of your Holy Spirit to bring them into the place of love and knowing that they are loved and they're not alone. Thank you, Jesus. We're not alone. Thank you that you died for us, that we don't have to be alone anymore. And I thank you, Lord, for the promises and the power that you've given us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, and give us mouths, words, wisdom, counsel, energy, strength, faith, to do that very thing, to open our mouths and resist the devil and forbid him to continue to claim and lay claim to things that don't belong to him, things that he never died for, things he never created, things he's trying to do in our lives. We rebuke and resist him, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind every spirit of fear, anxiety, uh, panic, uh, hopelessness, despair, uh, and misery in this in this place, in this world, and the people we love. We loose the revelation of God, hope, and salvation. Now, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity to share this good news, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're we're at that place where we're talking about the joy of the Lord, the the the, the joy to the world. The Lord has come. This is that season. We're just kind of right in the middle of it right now. And so we thank God for this opportunity to look into the Word of God and find out what that really means. You know, um, people are weak, um, and, and the joy of the Lord is our strength, but people are, you know, becoming weak and weary, and, and, and the world is full of all of these kinds of despairing things. It's kind of lost its way. So every season, every year about this time, we're brought back into the revelation, if we will look into the Word of God, about what that joy and peace means. And so we thank you for um, that peace. But there is no peace, Jerry. There is no peace. The Lord says there's no peace to the wicked, Isaiah 57, 21. So the peace and the joy that um, imply the presence of rest and righteousness is pretty much absent, I think, in the world, don't you think? It's just... Well, in law, law, Joel, <laughs> the book of Joel, it talks about uh, Joel chapter 1, verse, um, the last part of verse 16, it says, Joy and gladness is is gone from the house of our God. Yeah, so well, e- that's true. E- even oh, here, um, <laughs> right before that, it says, Surely, uh, Joel chapter 1, verse 12, the last part of that verse, Surely joy has withered away, from the sons of men, from the hearts of men, and and, mm-hmm. and so it's a, a, a general lack of joy, mm-hmm. and then 
from the house of our God mm-hmm. as well, from even those who were uh, believers, those so the, who were worshiping the one true living God. So they were really the joy was gone there too. So there was really something missing, something wrong, something that wasn't connecting because um, where there is, it says <clears throat> the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if if the strength is gone, we're weak, we're weary, we're oppressed. There's no joy, and if there's no joy, there's a reason that there isn't any, and this is what we're going to be looking at today. So where there's peace and joy, it implies the presence of rest and righteousness. So what's happening in Joel, what's happening in our day, is the the resting in God is rare. People are anxious. Um, They're not walking in righteousness. They're walking in their own ways. They're not walking the place of peace with God. Yeah, that's true. And that's why the, the joy was <laughs> withered away uh, in Joel's day, because and, the people had turned away from God. And of course, and it's true Joel's also. message is to, hey, let's, let's just stop everything and yeah. get back to God. Well, that same message and um, attitude, weariness, was operating in the, the days of Bethlehem when Jesus was born finally after all these years. So... Um, it's interesting how the angel of the Lord, this we, you know, in Luke chapter two, verse eight. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. Now, this is amazing. So this is the the message. This is the message after thousands of years of silence and the promise. This is the message that God is finally communicating to the people. The angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the the shepherds were afraid. This was something absolutely, totally shocking, uh, paranormal, supernatural, uh, unexpected, and, and totally out of their everyday events. So they're, they're, they're being confronted by these glistening, beautiful beings, one particular who stood before them. And the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, great joy, great joy. After all these years and centuries of waiting and weariness and hopelessness and traditions and going through the motions of whatever they did to keep the, the story alive of God coming and sending his son, the Messiah, they're, they're finally confronted with the actual event, and it's like, how do we even grasp this after we waited for so long and, for, and forgotten that we're even waiting and forgot what we're waiting for? Talk about an amazing announcement. You know, the angel of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, the glory, the expressed glory of the Lord. The glory is the, the it's the shining forth of God. Oh, mm-hmm. And sometimes it just comes as bright light a revelation you know and and it's a revelation and it's like okay this is an announcement you can't miss right we can't and and we could sure use a whole lot more of those kinds of announcements these days but god's god and the angels were actually god was expressing his excitement through the angels excitement um that finally 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 the bethlehem promise 
that God had made to Eve way back in Genesis in the garden that the head crusher would come was being revealed here in this tangible moment, in an actual moment in time where God was coming to earth, bringing the messengers to exp- you know, express, explain, um, alert the people to this event. I mean, it had to be announced. If it wasn't announced, how would it have ever been um, connecting the dots between the promise and the fulfilling of the promise? He had to make a pretty grand announcement, but he made this pretty grand announcement, filling the sky with heavenly hosts to a, a, bun- a bunch of, you know, a handful maybe of uh, the temple shepherds who were watching over the flocks of Bethlehem. Yeah, the flocks were to be used for, um, they were like, Sacrificial we could lambs. say holy holy, holy flocks, mm-hmm. <laughs> that they were, uh, they're Levitical um, shepherds. You know, shepherds as a, as a group, as an occupation, had a kind of a bad reputation back then. Mm-hmm. But these were shepherds that were, uh, again, preparing, uh, they were- producing, uh, lambs. They were, were the professional be, shepherds. They were going to be <laughs> uh, used to, to to sacrifice, and so so yeah. So in the Old Testament, you know, we know the story of the many, many thousands and millions, probably, of lambs and animals that were sacrificed, always to shed the blood. And so these Old Testament, uh, you know, traditions of of sacrificing the lambs and things were always to be a, a thread, a red ribbon of reminder that God was going to bring the atonement himself. So see this, why did, why did all this have to happen so on an ongoing basis? Because Satan had demanded the death of Adam and Eve and the soul of the sin shall die and the, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So when God kept shedding the blood of the lambs, it was kind of a placeholder to, and a reminder that there was coming the, the official sacrificial lamb and right. and that these people this was simply an uh they were entering into an agreement by making these sacrifices as god had prescribed and in that they were actually working to receive the the atonement they were agreeing with god yes we believe that these lambs will take away the sins and usually those lambs would la- that sin offering was once a year so every year they had to make a new atonement atonement or continue the agreement on until we get to Bethlehem. Yeah, the the covering, the atonement speaks of covering of sin. And then when Jesus grew, when he got to be 30 years old, uh, John the Baptist sees him coming and he sa- sees him walking along to, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God mm-hmm. that takes away the sin the of, the world, of the world, not just yeah. covers the sin of mm-hmm. the world, but takes it away. So there's no more need. And the book of Hebrews talks about this extensively that there's no need to offer anymore blood sacrifices <clears throat> mm-hmm. to to appease God anymore because right. Jesus Christ mm-hmm. has come he's done it he, he it's a finished work and once for all not uh all for for the nation but once for all and this appeasement Jesus did it <clears throat> this appeasement wasn't to appease God it was to appease Satan because God had to continue to remind Satan, this blood is coming. It is coming. You cannot call in your chips. You cannot demand their death because this is a promise. And so today we have God excited seeing, I finally here to do this. And I, uh, and, and so he was excited. The, ch- the shepherds were shocked. The angels were glorifying God. Um, so after 4,000 years, basically, give or take a couple hundred, I'm sure, 
um, this promise was made and God was excited to put this finally bring it's like this gift is finally being given and the people had become so weary they had forgotten they had the Roman invasion and oppression they were, were financially destitute most of them they were under surveillance constantly they didn't have any freedom um, they had to do what they were told even the even the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem was because of the Roman you know edict that they had to all go be registered so they could be taxed. Well, if you look back to the book of uh, Micah, 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, he prophesied that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. And God used the oppression of the Romans government to uh, bring that (laughs) to pass, to to bring forth the, you know, they had to go and be registered so you could be taxed. So it was kind of an IRS move. But that's what but just, brought Joseph and Mary. But but to just Bethlehem. but just think of it. Just you, you think God maybe doesn't know everything. How did God not know, or He did know, obviously, that Rome would be controlling Israel at that time? They'd be under that Roman oppression. He also knew that they were going to be calling for a taxation and a and a registration. He also knew that Bethlehem was going to have to be the place where the the, the, the children of the, the, the sons of David, those related to David, King David, that was David's and that town. And was Joseph. Was and, and Mary, both. Both in the and, and David. Yeah. So how did God know all these things 700 years before they happened to be able to predict and prophesy them in the Word and then to bring it to pass in the New Testament in Luke? Because he knows everything. everything. Please. He knows everything. He knows everything. Just get it over your mind that God doesn't know everything. A lot of people think God doesn't know everything. He's not like us. He knows Everything, and he's got everything absolutely ordered and orchestrated down to the moment. And le- so let's not freak out, you know, when we've got oppressive governments and stuff like that going on, even in our day, you know, that God is working in the midst of that. Yes, amen. A- and he is bringing redemption in the midst of an oppressive Roman regime. That seems to be endless. That seems to be endless. Mm-hmm. And they're basically, they're saying there's no God but no Caesar hope. No hope. in the Roman government. Caesar was considered divine. So these people were basically the bottom of the barrel, the outcasts. They were not the elites. They didn't have any privileges really except... Right. Yeah. The announcement was not made to the scribes and Pharisees. Right. It was not made no, to I the priests. Why. It was not made to uh, King Herod well, because at this point. None of them were able or willing to receive it, even when Jesus himself... Per- <laughs> spoke to them, they rejected his, his words completely. So <clears throat> in, the, in those many centuries when they're sacrificing the lambs, they're going through these motions that the traditions are becoming paramount. It's what they're just doing it because their fathers did it, because they were told to do it. And they probably didn't even realize that they were eating the, that Passover lamb, you know, on Passover. Uh, and, and they'd really forgotten why, never knowing that this was all being done because of the consequences of their sin. Remember in the original Passover, the blood of the lamb had to be put over the doorpost to keep the death angel away. So it mm-hmm. is the blood that keep and was keeping the death angel away from God's children. But nonetheless, all had become guilty or accountable uh, before God, according to Romans 3.19. So everybody was locked up in the same condition, Roman and Gentile uh, and Jew, in the same condition of being going to have to pay for their own sins. There was no remedy for sin, except their own death, which Satan was going to demand. Um, but the, but Matthew says, but God, Matthew one twenty one, he shall save his people from their sins. So this was God's promise 
that he is the only one who can save us from our sins. And to this very day, that's the exact same message. You cannot save yourself from your sin by being good enough or or practicing um, good deeds or even trying to be good. We already are made by God to love goodness, so we operate in who we are, and that goodness comes forth as we submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So everybody was trapped in the same in the same pen of guilt and, and death. Yeah, Romans makes that very clear. So all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. But then it says, be, being freely justified by his grace. In other words, what, what the Lord came to do was, is to justify us. Mm-hmm. That, that What that means is that to bring us into a condition, a position yeah. before God, a legal position, and, uh, and then a spiritual condition as, as mm-hmm. though we had never sinned. Yes, it's completing the promise. And so the arrival, this uh, announcement, the arrival of the angels, angels really solidified the promise of the atonement. So the angels were bringing in or signaling a new order or a new dispensation of things. And the old one was being dissolved, uh, the need for constant temple sacrifices, um, and this unfolding of the new dispensation of grace and good news really is what the angel said. Um, is, he said, uh, behold, um, and, and he said to them, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. What he's really saying is I'm bringing you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's where we get the idea of the gospel being good news. It's good news because the old news is the weariness, the, the waiting is over. And we are now in that place of actually being alive where we can actually walk in the good news, walk in the grace and the, and the, and the joy and, and the salvation of God and bring others to that. So the gospel of good news is actually being announced here. And then Jesus, of course, begins to preach it and the kingdom has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he began to explain, explain to them that this now is a new order. The law is going to be fulfilled in his death. And now the new order, the new law is to love your neighbor as yourself, love one another. So the angels were very excited. God was excited. The angels were excited because they were expressing God's excitement. And um, finally, they get to proclaim after all these years that, that this, that there was hope. What could only have been hoped for before was now becoming real. And the good news was, as they go on with their message, to realize that, uh, as he said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. Now, this is the very important order uh, of the of the words. And on earth, that's to us, peace, goodwill towards men. Not peace towards men of goodwill. That is a conditional uh, rendition, and it's a very um, a familiar rendition, peace to men of goodwill. That is not what it says. It does not say peace to men who are good. It says peace, goodwill towards men, all men, any men, any men, whosoever will. So this is not promoting the the, tradi- uh, the traditional ways we look at. You've got to be good to get to heaven. I've got to be good so God's not mad at me. This is saying God is excited to bring us uh, his love through the, the, uh, the gift of his son. And so it's on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Where we have turmoil in people's hearts. The Bible, Jesus said in the, uh, in the last days, men's hearts would be failing them for fear. 
Yeah. Because of the things because they that don't they know. see coming mm-hmm. upon the earth. Because so so there's a there's a spirit of fear that's rampant in our world right now. Well, when the Lord wants to give us peace. Peace. But the thing is we're we're fearful because we still feel separated from God because we don't know that this message the angels are basically saying Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. God is not mad at you. God is not. He is offering us peace and goodwill and favor and blessing. And he is here excited to fulfill his promise of reconciliation. You know, really, Satan had stripped all of us, the humankind. We had been made in the glory, the image of God, the glory of God, carried the glory of God. And then when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the glory was replaced by shame. That's the opposite of glory. So if people are ashamed, they have no glory. They're feeling um, you know, that they did something bad, like they are bad. Shame says, I am bad. So Satan was trying to convince them that they were bad because of what they had done. They were not bad because of what they had done. They were believing that they were bad, but they were still good and redeemable because obviously God cared enough and thought we were worth enough to send his own son to redeem us. And that's the thing to remember that no matter how much a person has sinned, no matter how, how tragic their life has been, God is has allowed us to be redeemable. Amen. We are redeemable. I, I, I would say almost every human being is redeemable. And the thing is, but we have to receive the peace offering. We have to receive it, right? Whosoever that, will, you have to, to accept whos, it. Yeah. That is the, condi- that's the condition. Him, yeah. To them, he gave power to become the children or the sons of God. So here we are stripped of our glory, laying kind of like, sacrificial lambs waiting to be slaughtered ourselves in our lives and destruction. Um, but now, and, and almost this flickering flame of life had been almost snuffed out in the hope and hearts of men. But now the great God of heaven and earth, the one who, the promise keeper was making his move to announce his, through the praise and the proclamation of this at large multitude of heavenly hosts. This is amazing. He was proclaiming peace the proclamation, the reconciliation, the open, the doors have been opened. It was now possible for us to be rest, restored, um, that whosoever one could come through that, that gate of salvation and peace and goodwill from God so we would no longer have to be estranged or like lonely or alone or drifting away or feeling out of, out of fellowship with God. Um, and, and so we could enter back into the joy of the Lord, the joy of fellowship, the joy of knowing we are loved, everything's okay, and and God is with us. Well, Paul, when he writes to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace grace Mm-hmm. in which we stand there and rejoice yep, there in is hope grace of the and glory joy. of God. So the grace and the, the, the being able to have access again to God brings joy. And it's a grace, the permission of God. Grace is God giving us something we can't earn. And he gives it to us as you can come in. Jesus is going to die for you. So God is now becoming tangible, personal, even as Emmanuel, which we say is God with us you know, the incarnate word of God. So mm-hmm. God himself had Himself had broken down the walls of our captivity. He he'd broke into the prison house where Satan had held us captive. And he reached out and lifted us up out of that snake pit uh, of death and despair. Whosoever will can come out. You don't have to have special privileges. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be, 
young or old, you can be any of those things and come out. This is a really big deal. And you think about it, Jerry, the devil was threatened by this new move of God. And, and he wanted to swallow it up as quickly as possible to snuff it out before the greetings and the goodwill could spread and the joy of God and his word and promise and truth could, could reach the masses so that the enslaved children could be free. So Satan was right on it to squash this joy message and this peace message, this good news. Uh, yeah, about two, maybe about two years after Jesus was born, when the wise men came, they didn't come to the yeah. manger, but they about two years later, mm-hmm. and uh, Jesus, the young child, was living in a house uh, around you know Bethlehem environs, and um, the wise men came and they said, "We're looking for the King of the Jews," and the Herod says, "What? I mean, I'm the King of the Jews." Right. He said, so well, he says, there's a threat to my power. So mm-hmm. if you find him, come back and tell me. Mm-hmm. And of course, they didn't go back and tell him. Thank but they've, 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 they've found him. And then what Herod did was well, he just said, okay, let's kill all the babies from, uh, what, two years old and under about the time they, that he it, expected yeah. Jesus was, was born. And so he goes to try to kill all the babies so Joseph and Mary, they're, they're warned of God, and, and they go to Egypt for a certain amount of time. I, we don't know how long it was mm-hmm. down there, but they had to flee because you said Satan is making the move. God is making the, the move to bring redemption, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, Satan, Satan is mm-hmm. making the move to through the it. political leaders to squash it, to, to, He's to always, just to destroy that. That's what and, he does. And it's been all the way through history. And not just through history, but through our own stories, our own lives. God makes a move, then the devil makes a move, then God makes a move. And so you have to kind of get used to doing this dance. I'm not going, uh, you know, El Frico every time something goes crazy, but just keep standing in faith. So, in, so what happened is here, God is bringing this invitation to joy, joy. Remember, that takes away weakness. It takes away weariness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you are weak and weary, it is because you're lo- lacking or losing or leaking. Your joy is leaking out of you somehow. But we have to go back to knowing that it's the peace of God and his good will. Not that he's mad at us, but it's his good will, his kindness, his long suffering that brings men to repentance. God has gotten a bad rap. Satan has told you and I that God doesn't know everything, that God is mad most of the time, and he's mad because we broke the law, and now he's going to bring his punishments and judgments upon us because he's trying to teach us a lesson. Well, I don't really think that's a very accurate rendition of the character of God. God is good. God is is faithful. And if you know God is good and faithful, then you're going to be more drawn to come to him. You're not going to be afraid of him. You're going to come enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You're going to come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. You're not going to be defeated and say this, what's going to happen? I don't know. It's up to me. I got to go to the world to find my answers. So so joy and God's goodwill became announced uh, and, and known. And it was... Um, and Satan tries to replace that good news every th- in every way that he can, even in the world today, even in the celebrations we have over this season of the year where we call we call it Christmas Christ coming. There's it's always it's buried with uh, with the, the, the this world and the the handlers of this world, which are the demonic entities, um, substitute you know all kinds of things. Uh, for love and peace and joy, you know, parties and gifts and alcohol and food and self-indulgence and frivolity and, and, and the whole purpose just you, if you go that way, 
your peace will, your joy and your peace will not last. There is no gift other than the gift of God's love and forgiveness and and his son, Jesus Christ. There's no other gift that lasts, that will carry us through this time of treachery. So, and it's, it's interesting. This is not, as we read it here, um, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. This is not a conditional love based on the goodwill of men. Like some translations, some churches, they preach it, the, uh, you know, peace and goodwill towards, towards men of goodwill. Men of goodwill, yeah. yeah. And so that's a flip. That's a total subtle flip of the, the, the truth is. The truth is God is giving this uncon- the unconditional love uh, to whosoever will, uh, his peace and his goodwill towards men. It doesn't say certain men. It says just all, all of us. So it's not a conditional love based on the goodwill of men, but is conditional only in that it's our willingness to accept to his receive, grace and to, to receive to it. Receive, that believe. is the condition that mm-hmm. we receive the unconditional love of God and not make it about my good works or I'm not worthy or I've sinned. And you know, when you make your life all about your sin and trying to get rid of your sin, you're actually in a, in a way making your life all about you. It's not that's, about preaching that, the gospel. It's that, not about healing the sick, cleansing the lepers. It's about you getting good enough to do it. And so this is a total distraction and a rut most people live in. What you do is you make yourself an idol. Yeah, like I've got to be you're, perfect. All you're concerned mm-hmm. about yeah. is what you know, I do. I, I got to get rid of my sin. Be good. Yeah. I do this, do but this. It's making do. God out to be also a, a, a what? Uh, Something other than what he is. That's right. That he un- is not a taskmaster. Unholy master. and unhappy. So our our joy is being exchanged for the immediate gratifications and sensual pleasures of of celebrating the season in the wrong way. Self-indulgence and appetites and opinions. and We're we're trading safety, the truth of God. um, uh, You know, we're asking those who overpower us to to keep us safe. Uh, And and they've enslaved us. And Mm -hmm. we've been enslaved by our lusts and, and fear uh, and enti- they've enticed us to let them f- fulfill our na- needs. That's James. W- let away of their own lust and entice. So when we have a need, a desire, that lust can be something for something not necessarily negative, um, for love, for safety, for peace, for meaning, for purpose, all that stuff. But we're led away and and bite the hook. It's Satan, after, well, I can give you that. You just need more money. You just need more of this. Yeah, you just need. Uh, we look to the we look to the government. We look yeah. to other. So we people. stop. Stop. Look. Look to the Lord. Look to the Word yeah, of God to, to be strengthened, so you don't lose your your strength in God. So this is why joy and peace are rare among the sons of men. And but, men walk in weakness and weariness and despair and depression and sickness because we do not know the love and peace and goodwill of God towards us. You were living in a time here where uh, in Isaiah 61, it, it speaks of Jesus was, is going to give beauty for ashes, mm-hmm. the oil oh, of joy, joy for mourning, the garment of, the praise, garment of praise for, for the, the spirit, spirit of, of heaviness. heaviness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here's here's a situation we're in in, in our in our nation in our world right now. There's a lot of mourning. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. mourning, death, mm-hmm. death loss, sickness, sadness. disease, mm-hmm. loss, injustice. Uh, a spirit, a spirit of heaviness, mm-hmm. fear. There's you know everything Confusion. gets pumped at us is is to get us to fear. Fear we're going to get sick. Fear that we might get sick. Fear that. Um, whatever, inside, whatever outside, it is, you know, inside, everything. outside, 
fear, fear, fear. Is there, and there's a heaviness and it's like... But perfect it, love casts out fear. Right. Even as, as believers, we looked and say, man, you know, we knew it was going to be bad in the last of the last of the last days, but it's like, oh my goodness, like every day there's some ridiculously evil but situation the, <clears throat> that comes upon us. So so it's we're tempted to give in to a spirit but, of yeah. heaviness. And, be, and because we do not, be, believers, even believers are weary and unhappy and sad and confused because we have not understood the love and power and the goodwill of God towards us. This is the bottom line. We do not know that we're loved. We have a wrong concept of God. We have, we're, we've been shown a sad, negative, distant God who has been uh, upset with us um, and, and disappointed with us and unhappy with us. And we have been taught this because of our religious traditions. The, in the, in, when Jesus came, those who gave up the religious t- traditions, the old order of things, the law, and followed him, he wrote his law in their heart. And this became their fellowship, the fellowship of loving, forgiving, and then doing the great things God told him to do. Go preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. You cannot do this if you're sad, weary, negative, weak, unhappy, bound up. And you know what? Satan, if you're really bound up, it's probably because Satan wants to keep you from being free because he knows you have a great ministry and he knows that you have a, will have a, a huge impact on those around you. But you must submit to God and resist the devil. And the way we do that is to rebuke the spirit of weakness, rebuke the spirit of fear, rebuke the spirit of, of it's never going to change, rebuke the spirit of it's up to me. Rebuke, just stop being all about yourself, positively or negatively, and just die. And let the, that means you died with Christ so we don't have our own life and agenda anymore. Just allow the Spirit of God to come upon you, cleanse you from all these nasty ideas and, and emotional you know, dead ends. Father God, we thank you now for the release of your favor, blessing, and truth in our lives and through our lives. We thank you, Father God, that you came and you said peace, goodwill towards men. We thank you that. Lord, help us to be as the angels were, (laughs) as the shepherds were. Yes, Lord. They communicated. They were the first evangelists. They said, hey, we've got good news here. The Savior has come, and they came to see him as a baby. Now, Lord, we see you in faith as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world that we might have be justified, that we might be have peace, that we might have joy, and that we might share that peace and joy with everyone we can while we can. Yes, Thank Father. you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for this season. We thank you for uh, the gifts that you've given us through understanding and wisdom uh, through your word. I just pray, Father, that we'd read your word and be encouraged. Also, check us out at liferecovery.com, um, the bookstore. We have lots of wonderful things in there, a case for justice, uh, and, and, uh, a case for righteousness. These are wonderful things. The case for righteousness is actually a Bible study that you can purchase as a manual and go through it as you would a Bible study. And it really starts at the very beginning of our despair and ends up with helping us discover the lies and be set free, a case for righteousness. So God bless you. May the Lord bless you this season with a true spirit of Christmas. Um, and you're going to find it in the word of God. Blessings. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? 
Q Radio, because there's a war for your soul.